0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. It's great to be here uh, with you this morning, bringing the word. We're in our Upside Down series. Today we're going to be mostly in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, uh, as we look at the first 12 chapters in this in this first part of this series. So you can turn there and stay there if you want. Uh, I'm going to open us in prayer in just a second, but... Um, uh, before I do, uh, the ushers are going to be handing out these these cards that we're going to go row by row, and it has to do with today's message. Uh, one side it says it's about the one, and it has our core value. The other side it asks the question, who's your one? Um, and so we'll get to that in just a little bit, uh, but there are pins in the seat back in front of you, just so you're aware when we get there, and uh, this is one of those those times when we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord uh, to, to either give us direction or bless the direction that we truly believe he's leading us to, to go in as far as reaching people. And we'll see through the story of uh, Paul's transformation and, and salvation uh, what that what that means today. Um, so I'm going to uh, pray as they continue to hand those out um, and just, uh, just hang on to those if you would. Lord, we thank you for... Today, I thank you for this amazing story uh, of Paul and uh, we know that uh, it was this moment in history where the light came from heaven and arrested him on his way to murder people and and put Christians in prison, uh, but at the same time that it was all you you were already working with with stephen 's life that was that was laid down. Uh, in, in becoming a martyr, and then, and, then, and then those others that you had uh, step into it afterwards. You had a number of people involved in Paul's life from prior to salvation to right after salvation, uh, and then along the way as he, as he became the man we know as the Apostle Paul. Um, and, I, and I thank you for that, showing us that, that we are called to be there for people along the way. Um, so as we look at everyone is within reach today and we ask the question, who's your one, that you would speak to us clearly. I pray that we would hear you, and we'd respond to you, and it would be a blessing to your heart. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Um, uh, before I get into, uh, into the messenger thing, I just want to just say a huge congratulations. Really, the it's been a fantastic week uh, in Burnett, Texas. Uh, in my seven and a half years here, this is probably one of the most successful uh, weeks ever, and so I just just want to say uh, congrats to all the uh, the teachers and the staff and the coaches and the leaders and the students that were part of. I mean, meet judging nailed it. FFA nailed it. Esprit de corps nailed it. Um, I mistakenly called it Glee Club the other day. Uh, I went to private school, so you got to forgive me. We didn't have that. Uh, but Esprit de corps, uh, the girls' volleyball is in process of continuing to, to, to nail it. And on Tuesday, they get to make China Springs cry like springs of old. Uh, and then uh, the boys... Uh, football team, uh, you know, district champs, co-district champs, and uh, going to my old hometown of San Marcos, Texas, going to beat Somerset to a drum on Thursday. So congrats. And uh, uh, it's just a fun time just to be able to, to be a part of that. And I was thinking of it this week. You know, we're coming into the holiday season now because uh, Thanksgiving is coming. It's the placeholder for Christmas, right? Uh, we love it. But uh, I love holiday season because people are open. During the holiday season, there's an openness, a reception, uh, I'll talk to you, uh, in summer I won't talk to you, but it's Christmas and I've got a, uh, you know, a warm, fuzzy drink or whatever and it's happy. Uh, and, and at the same time, when there's success happening and there's just this excitement and joy, there's just a natural openness in people. So I really encourage the students, teachers, coaches, parents that are going to all the games and all the events... Look for opportunities to to connect with people, especially as we look at what we're going to look at today, because people are open. When things are like happy and smiley and wonderful, there's an openness there to receive. So so be on alert, be on call for Jesus, um, be in tune with the Holy Spirit, because it might be someone you've never met, but while you're sitting in the stands or you're waiting, you know, uh, afterwards for the for the team or, or to congratulate or everybody going to, I don't know, eat at Chipotle or whatever it might be. Uh, there's just an openness there. Look for it. In the same way that we look for it at Christmas, because people are open. Look for it when there's, you know, the, the joy of... Uh, the Burnett schools right now. So uh, just just be mindful of that. And, uh, and of course, you know, look forward in the opponents as we crush them and they need help. So there we go. <laughs> All right. So we've been looking at the book of Acts. I think we're in our sixth week right now. Um, and, and really the book of Acts launched this mission of Jesus that, that we saw turn the world upside down. Uh, from a small group, a uh, band of, of followers that waited after Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, go wait in this room. And there was 120 of them and it just exploded as the, as the spirit of the living God fell on them and empowered them to live out the gospel and, and love people the way Jesus did it on planet earth. He said, you wait there, when he, when he comes, when the spirit comes, he will help you to be the way I was. And, and I have to go, so that all of you can spread around the world because I'm one person and I'm not going to be able to make the globe easily. But if y'all will wait and then y'all will live out this gospel like I did, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it'll happen and we see it, 3,000 then 5,000 and it's it's just exploding. And then, of course, there's... There's fear that comes with the world turning upside down, especially when religion and and a pagan world uh, is not buying it. And so you see this pressure come, and in in Acts 5-7, through we see it kind of play out in the life of Stephen, and he's, he's martyred for his faith. And then we see this picture of Jesus standing on the edge of heaven, looking down and watching Stephen die horrifically. And Jesus is like, that's my guy, Father. Hey, angels, guy, he's he's doing this because he loves us and because he trusts us. And we see Jesus stand up in heaven to look at Stephen. I imagine Jesus is like, everybody out of the way, I'm first at the gate when he comes through. Uh, and then last week, we're, we're seeing this, this church begin to get squeezed. It's this young Jesus following church. They get squeezed. And so people like Philip just scattered. And it said that the gospel scattered throughout the whole region. When Jesus said... You'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, but also in in these other places, in Judea and in Samaria and to the the far reaches of the earth, they were all in Jerusalem. So when they got squeezed, they just scattered. And Philip used this as an opportunity to take the gospel wherever God sent him because tough times are never meant to hold us back or keep us from, even if it really is hard on our physical, emotional, emotional. Uh, you know, relational selves, it's never meant to hold us back. We're supposed to use that as an opportunity. And then today, we're going to be encouraged by the reality that everyone is within reach. Everyone. One of my spiritual heroes of the faith, one of our missionaries here, Kelly Brake, wrote a great uh, I don't know if it was an article, it was a Facebook post, I guess that's kind of like an article, just on the, the whole thing happening in Israel, and Gaza, and Hezbollah, and Hamas, and that whole region, and, and it was just about this, This. it wasn't just Jewish-centric, it was all of those people don't know Jesus and they all can know Jesus. And so God wants to redeem the Arabs and the Muslims. He wants to redeem the terrorists. And he wants to redeem the Jews because none of them know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, so, so we need to be in prayer for the wisdom of, of the leadership of Israel and for the success there so that, so that terrorism doesn't exist. But, but spiritually... We need to be standing in the gap for every lost person who doesn't know Jesus, that this would be an opportunity for the Muslim and the Arab and the, the Israeli, the Jew, the even the terrorist to, to know Jesus and for the Christians there to be encouraged in their ministry and in sharing their faith. Because everyone's within reach, whether it's a salvation issue or they need community and relationship or encouragement from us or they just have this major need in life. Something's happening and they believe in Jesus, but all of a sudden, bam, something hit them and they just need someone to be there for them. And when we live this out, when we live out this gospel and when we live out with this mentality that everyone is within reach of Jesus, saved and unsaved, everyone's within reach, we got to realize Jesus is watching just like he did with Stephen. He's watching going... That Martin Riley he looks for every opportunity on the planet to share the gospel that Mark Kincaid man he left beautiful hill country of Texas to go over to Cameroon and give away the gospel That student in middle school that, that, that is just loving people in spite of themselves he's just he's just living for the gospel in the way he can in seventh grade or whatever it might be Jesus is watching and, and it encourages Jesus' heart when we live out the gospel so in Ephesians 2 8 through 10 Paul writes this God saved you me by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from God so just his gift to save us the the cross crucifixion Jesus being our atonement our substitution our sacrifice that was a gift from God Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. I had nothing to do with being saved except to accept the gift. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Paul saying we have great value because each one of us was made by a master craftsman. And at the same time that each one of us is is totally valued and made by a master craftsman. There was a time that we were once a major mess. And he goes on in verse 13 and he says, But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, a mess. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, now we're right there near to Jesus, Paul writes. We're redeemed. We're on the team. Like, we're on Jesus' team, we got his jersey, and and everybody's a starter on Jesus' team. And we're we're required, because of salvation, at salvation, every saved person, every following believer in Jesus is required to do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And those good things can be leading someone to the Lord, it can be serving, giving away your time, talents, and treasure, it can be uh, meeting someone... I don't know, we're in their most broken state and giving them hope. It can, be, it can be just coming alongside a family and saying, hey, I want you to become my family. Whatever it is, there are good things he planned for us long ago. And at salvation, he says, now you're going to play this out. You're going you're to live this out. Yeah. In Romans 10, Paul tells us that, that for someone to be saved, that saved ones have to go and talk to them. Yeah. Like he said, you got to go talk. He says for someone to believe, the ones who already believe have to go and tell them what it means to believe. He says that for someone to be found, that those of us uh, who know Jesus and have been found, we go to those who need to be found, right? If I lose a flashlight, which my kids lose all week long, all the time, I have a thousand flashlights and there's only two in the drawer, but those flashlights will not come back on their own. We hunt them down. We need flashlights, but we don't have any. But, uh, but, yeah. but we go to the flashlight to find the flashlight. You go to the lost to bring the lost into a place where they're not lost anymore. But you, and, and God still works in people's lives. He's wooing them. He's bringing them. He runs them in front of your face. But we still go to them in some way to tell them about Jesus. In both of these passages, Ephesians and Romans, were, were written by the guy whose story we get to look at today from this missional perspective of the ones that God used just to save him. And it's where we get our big idea, who's your one? So we're going to look in chapter 9 uh, in the first uh, section. The last part of it is about Peter. And we're not going to really touch on that today, uh, even though it's fantastic. Somebody comes back from the dead and then, and then somebody's like massively sick uh, and they get healed. But uh, we're going to look at, at Paul's life here. And so we're going to look at three different takes of the same story, for God's same purpose in saving and using Paul. So the first one is if you're Stephen. And here's the thing about Stephen's role in Paul's life. He either he might he knew who he was. He probably had never met him. Maybe he got accused or slapped by him. I don't know. But Paul's overseeing Stephen's murder, his execution, his stoning, um, and and he's the one kind of condoning it all. So when. When Paul saw Stephen die, the story says that he, everyone there saw the heavens open. Can you imagine? You're killing this guy and the heavens open. You're probably like, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, oh, I'm out of rocks. I don't know. I'd, I'd have been the guy that's like, I'm going over here and getting the coffee. Uh, but the heavens open and, and, they, and they hear this guy that they are killing, cry out to God and beg God not to hold that against them. God, forgive those murdering me. Please don't hold this against them. Paul hears that and he sees that. Now, he goes on a rampage after this, but, but that had to stick in his crawl, right? That had to like, that. he couldn't kill enough or imprison enough or hurt enough people to get rid of that memory. And so we read in Acts 9, Verses 1 through 9. Meanwhile, Paul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. See, he's breathing fire, right? So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, Christianity, that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And just in case you don't know, Saul of Tarsus is Paul. Um, So that's, he's typically referred to Saul for us prior to salvation, but both are him. um, And he's from Tarsus. So Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? So he knew it was a big being somewhere, it a Lord, whatever that means. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus. Can you imagine? He's like, I knew it. I knew He just couldn't get that, you know. I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. I mean, I would expect you're going to fry me now. But Jesus says, you've been persecuting me. I've got something for you. The men with Paul stood speechless, you think? <laughs> for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. You see, for Stephen, related to Paul, this was basically like a covert salvation mission. He he didn't have any idea that he was called to be a part of this. He knew what he was called to, and he lived it out faithfully, and he was killed for it. But he had no idea the part he would play in in Paul's life. He he probably had no idea that that for him, Paul was one of his ones that God had planned for him. But he lived for the glory of God and for the good of people, so it it just played out this way because he lived and died faithfully. We are saved to be witnesses. To to see other people saved, yes, but also be witnesses to those who maybe need encouragement or hope or discipleship or growth or a a friendly slap on the back of the head. That's not how you do it. Let me walk that through with you. Whatever it is, we're saved to be witnesses, Jesus says. And it's not just, I tell you, the Romans row, which is fantastic. But it's this is my story. This is what he's done in my life. This is what he's still doing. This is what I I, I know is next because he hasn't dealt with this yet, but I know it's coming. We give our lives away and we tell our Jesus story to people and we come alongside them to show grace, compassion, forgiveness, mercy, to love them where they are and not expect them to be who Jesus is yet but to love them where they are and help them get there, even to horrific people like Saul of Tarsus. I mean, Jesus did it for awful thieves like Zacchaeus and Matthew. He did it for betrayers like Judas. And here's the thing, we don't just do it when we know the outcome's gonna be fantastic. Jesus loved Judas, and Judas still did what he did. But we love because we're saved by a loving God. Your grace Care, compassion, that unhindered by anything love pierces people's hearts. And hopefully you'll see the fruit of it in your days, but you might not. Stephen didn't with Paul, but he sure gets to know it now for all of eternity. And if you're Ananias, the next main character in the story, maybe you're God's lifeline to that one that he calls you to. Maybe. You're called to be the first person to truly love him or care for her no matter what is going on. You you go on in the story in in verse 10. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. Uh Uh-huh. God's talking to me. This is good. To the house of Judas. Oh, I know him. He's a good guy. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus. All right. Named Saul. <laughs> he is praying to me right now. <clears throat> God is talking to Ananias, and he's like, Paul's praying to me right now, and I'm, I'm talking to you right now. I've shown him in a vision a man named Ananias, and he's probably like, well, you gave him my name? <laughs> he's coming in, and he's laying hands on He saw Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and now he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel, everyone. We're we're part of everyone today. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment in Paul's life? Brother Saul, he knows what he did. He knows what he was doing. He knows right before the lightning strike happened what his intentions were. And this guy comes and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Paul's, Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. I mean, Ananias is truly an unsung hero of the early church for doing what he did here. He never preached any sermon that we know of. Uh, we, we don't know that he ever performed any miraculous sign. Uh, we don't ever read that he laid hands on someone and, and they got healed. And he never wrote a single uh, letter in the Bible or a word in the Bible. But he did go to this guy who did all those things and much, much more. He was the first one that we see that cared for Paul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, who becomes one of the pillars of our faith. And you know what? He wrestled with it a little bit. And it's okay to wrestle as long as you're wrestling with God and at the end uh, that you submit to God in that moment. Ananias, he wrestled. God... You mean you want me to not only go and see the murdering Christians guy, but you want me to befriend, not behead, but befriend this guy? Like we're talking about Saul the killer, right? That, I just, man, just help me out, God. I, I, I follow you. Is that, is that who it is? We're sure about this, God. And then, all right, and when I go, I'm going to call him my brother because I trust you, God. I trust you more than I care about my life. And I'm excited to call him brother. And just like many of us, Paul remembered being his one. In fact, in Acts 22 that we'll get to next year when we're there, he says, I was blind and this great man named Ananias came and he stood next to me and he put his arm around me and he called me his brother like, Paul never forgot that. Never forgot being his one. I mean, how about you? Do you remember what that guy or that lady or that couple did for you? I would imagine almost everyone in this room can go back and go, oh, yeah. And maybe we have four or five. Maybe over periods of time, when we were a kid, that person. When we were in high school, that person. When we were a young adult, that person. And. And then, and then when I was first married, that couple, I was there one. And, man, they just loved me in the midst of, in spite of, through. You were there one, and it changed you forever. I mean, Je- Jesus did it for, for broken, hurting people like the woman at the well or, or the, the crippled man by the pool in Bethesda. They, they were trying to hide from life or, or beg God to give them some kind of purpose, and they were pretty hopeless. They were both living so hopeless, and Jesus met them where they were, and he treated them like human beings, like special loved ones, and he cared for them where they were and what they were going through, and he spoke life into them. He, did, he didn't say anything outlandishly, theologically, seminary brilliant to them. He just said, hey, I know you've, you've struggled being loved, and so you just give yourself away to men. I can give you living water. And he said, hey, what, what do you want? You want to you you walk? I'll, I'll give you legs to walk again, and, and I'll, I'll give you a purpose in life. I know you've been here 40-plus years begging to be healed, and I'm going to heal you, but, but I've got life for you. Remember what they did in your life and just be that and more. And if you're Barnabas, maybe you're called to stand up for or, or speak life over or be an encourager to or even to protect in vulnerable times. That one that God, God brings you to or puts in your life or puts on your mind goes on to, read the, to, to, to say this in verse 26. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them. Preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with the Greek speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, this is what that feels like. When the believers heard about this guy, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church had then, then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. So much of life is about timing, and God always hits it just right. I mean, Paul was about to be, you know, you read this part here, it looks like he's about to be rejected uh, and kicked out of of kind of this community by the apostles. Because understandably so, they didn't trust him. They thought maybe he's... The spy, he's infiltrating, he's making up a lie. I mean, he was trying to kill us. He's saying this happened, but we don't know. And he's scary. And and, and he's also learning so he could like fake it too. But Barnabas hears about it and he steps into his corner. You ever had anybody step into your corner for you? What does it feel like when, uh, when everybody or key people don't believe in you, they're against you, they're struggling with you, they're, they're sneering at you, and somebody steps into your corner, has your back, stands with you. It's pretty special. That's what Barnabas did. His name actually means encourager, and, and he certainly lived out his namesake. But the church didn't trust Paul or Saul of Tarsus, they didn't want him preaching. It seemed like they didn't want anything to do with him. And so Barnabas hears about it, and he says, hey, come. Come here, come here, Saul, I, I know what to do. And he put his reputation and his credibility on the line and basically said, hey, guys, hey, leaders, God's up to something here. Let's, let's jump in to what God's doing. Let's jump into the river that God's having flow this way and let's, let's ride this because he's up to something here. That was no ordinary salvation transformation. Let's see what God's doing because he's, he's calling this guy he's already called others to be a part of this. Let's get in on this here. People need us to go to bat for him. We can't let people fall through the cracks. Someone somewhere probably needs you to stand in the gap for him right now. There's probably someone out there that you just need to to be a real Jesus imitator towards and just show her how you live out this gospel life, how you live out following Jesus, because maybe she just doesn't know. And people are like, uh, you know where she came from. You know what she used to do. And you're going to show her you matter to me and you matter to God and your life matters for what Jesus is doing. He didn't save you for nothing. He saved you for something. Maybe you need to encourage that couple to step into deeper relationship in community, in, in discipleship as a, as a husband and wife, and, 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 and in depth of their relationship with Jesus. And maybe they're just, they're just mailing it in, in following Jesus. Maybe they believe, and they're following when it's convenient, and they just need somebody to come alongside them and say, hey, I'd love to do this life with you. That's how you encourage your one. I mean, Jesus stood by Peter like that. On that restoration day on the beach, Jesus went to Peter, stood there on the beach. Peter comes up and is probably like, I don't know why I'm here, but I got nothing, and I blew it, and so maybe you just send me to heaven now. I don't know what Peter was thinking, but he was certainly downtrodden because he had betrayed Jesus and walked away, and Jesus said, Peter, you're still my guy. And I got so much for you. When I called you the rock that I'm going to build this church on, I wasn't just saying words. I meant it. I have something for you, Peter. And I know you denied me. I know you betrayed me. I know that you are hopeless. But it is not hopeless. So, Peter, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Build my church. Because Jesus was saying to Peter, I'm in your corner. And I don't care what your past says, even your recent past you got a future and a present with me. So let's, let's get on it, doggone it, Peter. Let's do this. It's about the one. Every person uniquely created with God-given value. If you look at the one side of the card there, it's, our, it's one of our core values. You are uniquely created with God-given value. Jesus took the time for each one and so do we. In Luke 15, Jesus tells us about going after the lost. He tells us three different stories about lost ones. And it's interesting that he doesn't tell stories about lost groups, even though that matters to him. He tells stories about lost individuals. There's a sheep that wanders off, there's a coin that gets dropped in the cracks, and there's a son who rebels. And it's not just the unsaved that are lost because like that coin and that sheep belonged to someone. One got lost because it just got lost, and one wandered off because it was dumb. Sometimes the one he calls you to just has gotten themselves isolated and needs you. But one wandered off ignorantly. One fell between the cracks, and one was a rebellious jerk. And so he leaves to go find the sheep. He searches frantically to find the coin and he waits patiently and hopefully for the sun to come back so he can run down the road and meet him in his mess. Each one worth it. So Jesus says, go find her. Love and care for him. Help them. For us as human beings, numbers, especially growing numbers, I mean, that really, you know, captivates us but it's those single digits that capture God's heart we see it all through scripture the single digit captures God's heart he loves it I'm watching Stephen Philip went now I'm going to move him over here you know miraculously and, and and Saul on the road to murder people Peter Matthew getting called John being brought into the the, the the closeness of Jesus, you were saved. Now you might have gotten saved at some event or something where there's a lot of people that got saved, but you got saved by Jesus. It wasn't a big y'all thing. If a thousand get saved, each, it's one person every time. Because single, single digits matter. So who's your one? Who's your one? Who do you need to keep praying for, connecting with, sharing Jesus' story in your life too? Don't stop because you just never know. And you may never know. But be faithful. So I'm going to ask you to take this and I'm going to pray. I'm going to close this in prayer and then we're going to worship together. And there's those pens in front of you. Maybe you write it down now. Or maybe you say, Lord, by the end of the day, I'm going to have this written down if you just hold that card, you don't have to hold it up, you can just hold it. You may know who it is, praise God, they may be saved, unsaved, broken, hurting, sick, whatever it is. Who's your one that you're going to commit to? And here's what I'd ask, we're at the beginning of November, let's, let's commit the next nine weeks, I think that takes us to the end of the year, at least the next nine weeks that you pray for or connect with that person daily somehow somehow. And watch what Jesus does in you. Compassion, grace, forgiveness, care, and and in them. Miracles, salvation, hope, joy, acceptance, commitment. Okay? So let's pray and then we're going to worship together. Jesus, I thank you that we were all your one, but at the same time you put it on someone's heart to reach us where we are. Where we were. You put it on someone's heart uh, to be there for us, to stand in our corner, to go to us, to, to care for us, to, to lay hands on us, to call us brother or sister, to, to bring us into, into relationship. You used others so that we could ultimately become your one. But but also so that we could live this out just like you've called Ananias and Barnabas and, and Stephen to live it out. So for each one of us in here, I pray you give us the name of a person, a guy, a girl, a couple, a family. That you give us the name to commit to pray for the next nine weeks till December 31st. At least commit that long to pray for our one, to go to our one, to care for our one, to invite that one into our lives. And maybe it's just somebody who's doing really well, but they just don't have relationship around them, that we would be drawn to that person because you want to make disciples too. You want to see the lost saved and the saved disciple and the disciple to give their lives away. So, so whatever part it is in that journey in their lives, speak to us and tell us, and then help us to stay committed to that. Because people are what matter most to you, God, and I pray that the stories and the relationships that come out of this would be worthy of repeating for generations to come. And if we struggle, Lord, help us to to remember the ones that that poured into our lives. I'm so thankful, God, for the man for the ones that that served so faithfully to love me in spite of me. I'm so grateful for that. Help me to never forget that. Help me to never forget the hair they pulled out, the, the, the grimaces they had to endure, the struggles, just to love me. And yet, my life and anything I do for a value for you is their reward, not mine. Help us to live out gospel of grace for those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. For more messages and full services, visit hcfburnett.org or the Church Center app and connect with us on social media.